Can you ask for help when you need it? Are you willing to admit when you need help? This is Friday, June 16th. In 1935, when a man named Bill Wilson, a just sober alcoholic, met a man named Bob Smith, a man detoxing from alcohol, they came together to form a new fellowship for alcoholics. Their movement sprang from a small Christian community called the Oxford Group, a fellowship that took its pattern from the community of the first Christians. These men, with a few others, worked out the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Have you ever noticed where the 12 steps begin? Here's the first step. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Yes, the steps don't begin with a can-do philosophy of success, but an honesty about defeat. You begin your journey toward sobriety with an honest assessment of your failure. You can't do it. You cannot manage your own life. And this honesty about your condition opens the way for each of the next steps in the direction of freedom from addiction. Now this week, as we are learning about forgiveness, the most difficult part may be admitting that we need it, that we cannot fix the problem in our lives, that we need only what God can do for us and give to us. Here's our text for today, Numbers chapter 21, verse 4 to 9. From Mount Hor, they, that is the Israelites, set out by the way to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient along the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food, no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, He would look at the bronze serpent and live. Now, this seems like a very unusual event. That is until we look more deeply at what's happening and why. The whole scene begins with the people speaking against God. Here is the Lord, the one who has sustained and nurtured his people in the wilderness. He's the one who brought them out of slavery in Egypt. But now the people are standing against him. They accuse him of mistreatment, and they become impatient. They haven't entered the land yet. They can see they they haven't seen the fulfillment of the promises of God in their fullness. But they cannot enter in and take possession of it. They become discontent and turn upon the Lord. They sinned against God, and they refuse to trust God in his timing. In their complaining, the Lord sends serpents that bite the people. And the venom of these deadly snakes kills many of them. Now, the sending of the snakes has always puzzled me. 
but I believe they're a sign of where the people have placed themselves. They are poisoning themselves with their complaining and opposition to God. And as the people are dying, they call out to the Lord to save them. God doesn't immediately stop the serpents. Instead, he instructs Moses to do something very curious. Moses is to fasten a bronze serpent on a staff and hold it high into the air for the people to look at. And if they look upon the serpent, they will live. Now let's think about this for a moment. Why would God ask Moses to make a bronze snake for them to look at? Weren't the snakes killing the people? What was God showing them? Yes, they had to look on the very thing that was killing them in order to survive. To do so was an admission of their need, of the thing that was destroying their lives. Wow, here was the first step thousands of years before Bill Wilson and Bob Smith recorded it. Here's what those men wrote about the first step. Who cares to admit complete defeat? Practically no one, of course. Every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. It is truly awful to admit that, glass in hand, we have warped our minds into such an obsession for destructive drinking that only an act of providence can remove it from us. Yes, to look on the serpent was the admission of their defeat. To admit they'd sinned against the Lord and their own sin was destroying them. The first step of AA, as with the serpent in the wilderness, is that by looking at the thing killing us, that the way can be open for us to find life. Now, this is a lesson that each of us needs to learn. We need to look at our lives with honest assessment, to be honest about our sin. Yes, it is the admission of our need for forgiveness and grace that we come to God and we trust God and look to him. Now, can you imagine Israel in the wilderness? All they had to do was look at the bronze serpent. But do you know that some of the people just wouldn't do that? They would refuse this simple act that could save them? I can't imagine that. But in a sense, that's what we're doing when we refuse to admit the thing that is killing us. As the Lord Jesus was speaking with Nicodemus, he spoke of this moment in the wilderness. And as, the, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That's John three fourteen to 15. Yes, Jesus is speaking about the way he will be lifted up on the cross. His cross is a statement of the very thing putting Jesus there, our sin, and it's killing us. And it's by looking to Jesus on the cross that we can have life, eternal life. Yes, anyone that looks to the Son has life. Let's pray. Almighty God, we refuse to look upon the thing that is hurting us, killing us. We refuse to admit defeat. We need to see that, see that only in Jesus can we find life. Enable us to trust your, that your grace is enough to provide that. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.